everybody, this is Sean Martin. You're very welcome to a new episode of Redefining Cybersecurity here on ITSP Magazine Podcast Network Live, kind of, sort of, from uh, the show floor here in London for InfoSecurity Europe. And uh, the second day here, the, the buzz, the energy is still high. The, the, the people are running around, grabbing stuff, having good conversations. The keynotes are going, the panels are going, the fireside chats are going, and speaking of fireside chats, Bridget Kenyon has a fireside chat later on supply chain, and Bridget, I'm grateful for you to be here on the show with me today. Thank you very much for inviting me. I'm great and, to uh, be here. Yeah, and I mean, supply chain, how much more exciting can that be, right? Um, well, Sean, <laughs> these days, um, yeah, it's in the news, it's everywhere. It, yeah. is, it is the topic of the month, and possibly, if we're really unlucky, the topic of the year right. for uh, information security. I tend to say information security because I'm old school, so forgive me. Yeah, and uh, well, actually, one of our hosts is here, and he had a conversation yesterday talking to somebody about IT security, information security, cyber security. Oh, don't get me what, started. I know. What's <laughs> the difference? So maybe that's another conversation I, we can have. I have like hours and hours of thoughts on that subject. Yes. Largely because I've watched the word cyber appear, mm. and I saw where it came from, and it, it's just like, okay, fine, it's trendy, and everybody's using it. I am getting on the bandwagon with everybody else and I am paddling with everybody else these days. I was sort of hanging on behind going, no, no, I'm not getting on, but no. Yes, mine, mine is the, the term hacker, because uh -huh. good yeah. hacker's bad. Anyway. Cracker. Why aren't yes, you using right. the term cracker anymore? <laughs> so we're not here to talk about that, but what I, what I want to do is talk quickly about uh, who Bridget is. What do you do? What are you yeah, up yeah. to? And then we'll get into the whole fun of supply chain. So who's Bridget? Yeah, so I started off in physics, would you believe, uh, which was a great idea, except it turned into statistics, which is really not my thing. Hmm. So I ended up in an engineering firm, and I didn't really know where I was going. And I saw an advert for uh, network vulnerabilities working at DERA in Malvern. So, you know, very information security, except that that term didn't even exist. So I sort of started the job as an apprentice, effectively, and I loved it. I absolutely loved every part of it. It was thinking like the bad guy, it was being really creative, trying new stuff. Nobody had been there before. It was like, you know, exploring the Antarctic, only you didn't actually have to get cold and wet and, you know, possibly die of exposure and starvation. <laughs> so yeah, it was all the good stuff without all the bad stuff. Nice. And, and really that's what's carried me through my career. I've tried lots of different things. I, I actually did some hands-on information for IT um, support. So I was a network engineer and um, systems administrator for Linux and also Windows briefly, um, and an IT manager. And I ne felt like I needed that to make me feel like I could have a say in the conversation. When somebody started talking about a vulnerability or, you know, should you patch or should you do this upgrade, if I hadn't been in the position of the operational staff and had to deal with that question, I felt that I didn't have the right to engage with them from the securities perspective because I hadn't seen where they were coming from. Mm. So I went and I got the jobs and I tried, you know, did the roles. And now I'm sort of back where I'm comfy. And now you're, you're a cyber IT security officer. Um, Chief Information Security Officer. I'm messing with you. Yeah, close enough. But, uh, no, I was, yeah. no, I was messing with the words, of course. But uh, now let's. Um, so. Why supply chain? Why, I mean, you're part of a fireside chat today. I'm yeah. interested in your thoughts on how you think that's going to go and, yeah. and why, why are you part of that, that um, session today? I think it's because I, I get interests. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I 
one of my sort of background interests is behavioural security and um, behavioural economics and how people behave in a way that is more efficient and therefore more intuitive. And if you don't align security with that, then people will just slide around security. But another area is supply chain and I mean behavioural economics feeds into that because of the way people make choices, how you choose a supplier, how you then engage with that supplier thereafter. But I think the main thing about supply chain is just how hard it is and it, I like that sort of thing, it's complex, it's difficult, it's a mixture of technology and people and processes and it's, there's a whole load of sort of social stuff and business stuff inside it. And I like the fact that it all fits together and it's, it's all really quite messy and right. finding, see if we can find a, a nice sort of silver line to help us follow through this problem. Very international as well. Mm. And the first thing I think of, even though I'm, I'm a software engineer by early trade and, yeah. and so I do have a software in mind, but when I think yeah. supply chain, my first thought is yeah. like the automobile supply chain where it's a bunch yeah. of parts coming together and on, on an assembly line. Yeah. Uh, your view of that, how we, how we started yeah with supply chain in the physical manufacturing world and yeah. how things are different now, yeah. perhaps in the software world. It's, yeah, it's, a lot of it is now, is now services. And it's like, um, it's like Russian dolls. Each service is inside another service. So you buy a service from a supplier and they're buying a service from a supplier and they're buying service from a supplier and it can actually run around in a big circle. So you are actually a supplier to one of your suppliers. Right. And then if you look at it in more detail, you discover that obviously you don't just have one supplier and neither do your suppliers. So then you start thinking maybe it's more like a network. It's not a supply chain, it's a supply network. Um, and I have, have progressed from this. I have, I have matured my understanding of the supply chain from being a supply chain to us being a supply network. And now I call it a supply tangle. Because that's frankly the only way you can imagine it right now. It's a mess and it's definitely not just two dimensions. Yeah, I love that visual because I mean, what we've seen, I'm sure you've seen yeah. it, third party risk management was a thing, yeah. right? Well, what about second party? What about nth yeah. party, which then became a thing? But still, that yeah. assumes a chain or a link, a yeah. line. I like of to some think sort. of string, yeah. because you can have knots in string and it could right. get tangled and get really untidy and you can join it to other pieces of string. And, okay, imagine you're an ant and you're on a ball of wool. I often do that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's something we do every day. It's, it's as part of one's mindfulness practice. That's right. Anyway, so imagine you're an ant, and you're on a ball of wool, and now imagine somebody's tangled that ball of wool up. So, you know, the cat's been at it, for example. Mm -hmm. And now imagine, if you will, that you're either very short-sighted or it is foggy. You can only really see one sort of hop in any direction. So that's what we've got in supply chains. You know there's this really complicated tangle, but you can't see into it. You can see your direct suppliers because you have a contractual relationship with them. They won't tell, let you inside their environment necessarily to the level maybe you'd like, but you can see them. You can control them via contracts, via agreements. Potentially you have agreements that allow you to, for example, walk in at no minute's notice and give them, actually do a um, security test. I'm not saying that's a great idea, but I'm saying that some contracts do contain those right. sorts of provisions. Certainly in the healthcare space. Yeah. It's, it's a good way of giving yourself that level of visibility. But again, that's only one hop. You go beyond that. You go beyond the, the little tiny thing that your little ant can see. And there's a sort of unknown mass of, of wriggly wool full of potentially all sorts of nasty things. Yeah. So what, um, I mean, it's a million dollar question, of course. Mm. What, 
what do you see as kind of the way forward? I mean, it's what, what we're talking about here is visibility, yeah. right? Yeah. At least awareness that you need to look, yeah. and then the ability to look. Right? Yeah. And then, of course, ability to act after that. Yeah. Well, so how do we, do, do we need to focus still yeah. on the first step, on awareness? Um, Are we stuck there still? Or? Well, this awareness, that there's, there's lots of different vari variations there's of a, the word awareness that, here. That there's a problem there that needs to be yeah. resolved. Yeah, I mean, it, it, awareness comes first. Um, if you've come across the uh, methodology for, organi for organizational and individual change, it's called ADCAR. Um, awareness, desire, knowledge, ability and reinforcement. You have to do it in that order. If you don't have an awareness that there isn't a problem, then you're not going to be able to do anything about it. But you need desire as well. People want to change. Right. Then you, they have to know how to change. Then they have to have the ability, because you might know that you have to install antivirus, thinking on a personal level. But you might be sitting in front of your computer going, there's 50 different search results. Some of these are probably actually virus. It's not antivirus. Where do I go? That's your knowledge. And then you have, so that's the ability. And then you have reinforcement where you keep doing stuff and then you get better at it. Um, so I think awareness is, a, is important. But if we flip it and start talking about the back to our ball of wool with the ant, the ant is never going to be able to see beyond the next sort of stage in that ball of wool, the next knot, if you like. However, why don't we think about what can see the whole ball of wool? One thing that can see the whole ball of wool is um, independent organisations. So, for example, auditing organisations and governments. So what you need is potentially an impartial observer that can see or be permitted to see relevant parts of that ball of wool. So you, the ant, can't see it, but you know the the um, the knitter, shall we say, right. is looking down on the ball of wool and going, right, okay, I can see there's some problems over there. We're going to deal with it, little ant. You're fine. And by the way, I don't want to knit you into my sweater, please. <laughs> That's right. I love that view as well because now I'm picturing the knitter as well, yeah. right? You can, different balls of yeah. Of we could argue that each that, each yeah. government has its own ball of wool. Right. But then you have a horrible possibility that you've actually thrown it all together in one big bucket labelled right. we have a completely connected, yeah. interconnected system of yeah. third parties. Yeah, and where, where I struggle, I mean, I love that idea because mm. the visibility of the ball, mm. uh, perhaps the, it's, from that perspective then it's hard to see inside. Yes, right? there like, are some like things you ant. don't know you don't know. Right, like the ant has a very good view of that of part. Just that house, little piece. Right? Mm. Um, and then the thing I always end up coming to uh, like the healthcare space has good awareness and good models and good mm -hmm. contracts and some some tools and things but they also have regulation that I feel yeah. puts a lot of pressure on small companies that are trying to innovate and do a good thing and in healthcare it's all about providing patient care right yeah but you really want to, you want to know that the patient care you're providing is what you intended to provide right so reliability and trustworthiness mm -hmm. are an absolute foundational element of medical care and if you take that away and say all we want is agility you'll have some great breakthroughs of some really dead people and that's not a trade-off that no. anyone's willing to make right now so i wanted to touch maybe a little bit on the, the what you just said reminded me of the idea of data as part of the supply chain. Right? So it's not ah, just. Are you talking data or information? Um, data uh, and information. Data. Data is information without context. That's right. As they say. So it goes data, information, knowledge, wisdom. Right. If you go up the pyramid. Yeah. I love that. And then, and then everything is API driven. 
these days as well, right? Well, kind that's of the service. Kind of nice. Service it's, it service. means you've got right. a way in that's well understood. It means that you are deliberately treating the application as a black box, right. and it's got a little sort of hook, and you know what hook, what you want to hook to it. Right. As long as we can understand that the hook's only doing what it. And you can't see inside. To, you right. don't really know what yeah. it's doing. Yeah. So any any thoughts on how we? Because that to me is like the the mm. ultimate minuscule ant view of yes. things. Yes. Yeah. The ants know about the, the hooks. That's right. So does it? And and the other point is uh, kind of scaling all this stuff. So yes, an entity overseeing it, um, but that information inside has to come from somewhere, so which means it's distributed by is it each yeah. individual organization or are there entities yeah. within different sectors? We've uh, got. A, a bigger problem, which is that the definition of what is correct and sufficient is um, to a certain extent geographic and based on, on law. Mm-hmm. And that's something that, you know, like the internet, it has a geographical element that people tend to forget until you ask the question, do I own my personal data, for example? And certain countries, you don't. Other countries, you do. So the laws, the requirements, and the definition of what is adequate security varies completely. So yeah, it's it's not a problem. I tend to, when it comes to that particular problem, I am afraid I'm one of those people who just stands back and admires it. I haven't worked out how to solve it. Right. So let's speak to, as we wrap here, Mm -hmm. your fellow CISO, Chief Information Security Officer. give them something I, I like to look operational yeah, yeah. What, what can we leave them with um, for their own internal mm. third party nth party whatever yeah. supply chain risk management program I think the, the most important thing aside from actually knowing who your immediate third parties are and that is a quite different quite a challenging problem focus on what you can control and what you should be controlling there is a tendency to try and remote manage your third-party suppliers to try and write their policies for them or um, run their penetration tests for them. Step back, let them have the agency but require them to prove to you that they are doing what they say they are doing and make sure that you know where their responsibilities end and yours start. Which things are they doing for you that you require them to do to your standards and which things are actually are they thinking you're going to be doing? Because if there's a gap, that's actually possibly worse, because then nobody is, for example, and I pick an example that I've actually lived through, no one is, in fact, catching the servers. <laughs> yeah, well, a lot of the same challenges you face in your own role within your own organization, yeah. they're facing as well. So yeah. do, you, do you find or feel that a meaningful conversation goes a long way? In terms, Because I feel we, we tend to rely on contracts which are very impersonal right Mm. and tools which we blindly trust to some degree Mm. versus a conversation and I'm not saying get rid of the other two but starting with a conversation where you have a good rapport and understanding of what their mindset is and how they think and and perhaps hopefully how they act as well I think you're right it is those those three things the, the tools, the form, formal contracts, and then the relationships that you have with the, for example, your counterparts in the supplier companies, or your counterparts in your customer companies. Because most organizations are in some way going to be a supplier right. to a customer. Otherwise, how are they deriving value? Yeah. So uh, it's, it has to be all three, but I would say the, they each have their, 
role and their value. If you have a contract, you have something foundational that underpins exactly where the responsibilities lie and where the buck stops and where who does what. And that is really important. If you have tools, then you have a method for determining in, in a very impartial sense whether certain things are as they are expected to be. But tools will only check what they're capable of checking and that not, might actually not be what you value. The relationship is the glue that holds it all together, that enables you to you know, stretch something or interpret something or understand something or give somebody a bit of extra room to do something because yes, they are trying, they haven't quite met what the contract needs, but in fact, you're comfortable with the risk right now and they have a route to get to where you want them to be. So, Love yeah. It. Well, thanks, Bridget, for uh, taking my brain and turning it into a big ball of yarn <laughs> this morning. At least um, I can do. With the, my brain's the size of an ant, by the way, so uh, you, you've well, made me think. Proportionately, probably <laughs> that's a good thing. You know, ants probably have quite large brains proportionately. Oh, very good. I'll, I'll take that. Uh, I'll take that. And fabulous meeting, fabulous chatting with you, and uh, Thank you for your time. Look, look forward to your panel and your fireside chat there. And uh, you're very welcome anytime. You want to Thanks talk about this indeed. or anything else? And uh, enjoy the rest of the show. Thank you.